Father, you're a wonderful, the wonderful father. Thank you for taking care of Betty. Thank you for promoting her. Thank you for bringing her into your presence, into your kingdom. Thank you for her faith. Thank you that you brought her here to be with us. Thank you that here's a woman that was just fire with her love for you. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for You just granting her to us. May you give us many more like her. Father, I would pray today as we open your word, Father, you'd speak through the scriptures, Lord Jesus. This is an amazing place to be. Uh, this passage, these, this chapter, these verses to come, not just today, but through next week. And, and, and Lord, so rich in its text. I pray that you'd speak to us through it in the way that you do so wonderfully, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would encourage you, as always, you should be studying along with me as I preach. Not here necessarily today. Don't, don't break out the books and start studying. But when you're home throughout the week, study these chapters. And the reason I'm saying that is you're going to see this discourse now with Jesus talking to the Pharisees and and. What he's really looking at here in our text is, uh, and I, you see it in the title, All Should Honor the Son. Even though Jesus in Philippians 2 had, has uh, to not be equal with God, to not be, to, to come in and, and glorify God, it seems that he's, I don't want to say he left his deity because he didn't, but he just kind of uh, chooses to be a, a, a servant of the Father. But yet the honor is due him. And you're going to see this. Now. You'll, you'll see verses, we've we got a ways to go, but look over at 541. I do not receive honor from men. Then you'll see verse 44. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and not seek the honor that comes from only God? He's building towards something here. And really it is that he should be honored. And they don't know who is in his presence. They really have, don't understand that. They don't know that it's God in the flesh standing before them. Be thinking along that. And I encourage you to study this, this at least this section. It, it says a lot about Christ. And I'm not even going to come close to giving the, the due that is due this. I mean, I, how do I, a human being, even speak for him in the first place? Okay. But still, there's so much richness in this chapter, chapter 5. Uh, you, need to, you need to study it. So I'd encourage you to do that, okay? Encourage you to do that. Okay, so what's happened? Okay, he has healed this man who had been paralyzed. And he told him to pick up his mat and walk. And of course, that wasn't the problem that he healed them. The problem was he did it on the Sabbath. I don't need to go back and tell you about all the Sabbath. You could hear that on a CD. But the Sabbath was always pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the rest that we're supposed to have. Okay? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're not at rest. You're still trying to work your way to heaven. 
and you'll try to do anything to perform to make sure that he loves you, make sure that you're secure in heaven, and all your work, all your work trying to get to heaven is you're missing the grace of God. You want to line up on the side of grace, not the side of works. Because works won't get you there. And grace, come to all by grace, you'll find rest in Jesus Christ. And so this man, he departed and, and told the Jews who finally his name, Jesus tells him, uh, what, what, does he, what does he say to him? He says, see you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Just keep in mind Jesus hadn't paid for the sin yet at the cross. They were still under the law. There's a lot of things that could happen to the man before he was forgiven of his sin. Even though he might believe in Jesus Christ, which I don't think he did. I don't think there's a salvation thing that happened to this guy. Not yet, anyway. At least it's not recorded. I don't see it that way. But he may have. I just see his, uh, this guy named Jesus say, healed me, and now I'm walking. All right. Verse 16. That's where we're going to pick it up at. We're going to read down to 30 here. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. That's a kind of a strange thing to reply there, right? Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does also in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater, him being Jesus, greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the, the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but he has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son. Here we are. What's it about? It's all that Jesus gets honored, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, you'll notice 24 and 25 start with most assuredly. That's like verily, verily, or truly, truly. That means you better pay attention. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, he, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. I marvel at this, for the hour is coming which all are, who are coming which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. 
Okay, now we're going to be bouncing in and out of these scriptures for a few weeks here. So the ministry of Jesus was certainly not without controversy. Okay, he faced a lot of, of trouble through his ministry. One reason was because uh, he did these healings on the Sabbath. This wasn't the only one. You'll notice in verses 17 and 18 there, it's because he made himself equal with God. This was a problem that the Pharisees had. This prompted the Jews to, to seek to kill him. Yet the one they sought to kill should have been honored by them. They shouldn't be out to kill him. They should be honoring him. Of course, they didn't know who he was. Verses 22 and 23 says he should be honored, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent, who sent him. So for failing to honor the Son, they, they weren't really honoring the Father at all. Here they would claim that we follow the Father. He's our God. No. So you don't really honor him. You're not even honoring the Son. How can you honor the Father? Because they're what? Even though they're two distinct uh, parts to the, the, the Godhead, they are one. How can you honor one and not the other? Of course, they didn't know, again, uh, they didn't know who Christ was at the time. After all, Jesus' claim is that he and the Father work together in all things. That's what got him in trouble, verse 17. Where it says, but Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. What's, what's the claim? My father even works on the Sabbath. He hasn't stopped working. Well, now he's in deep trouble. So in our passage, Jesus begins, uh, uh, like I said, this discourse about him needing to be honored. So let's look at some reasons why he needs to be honored. The son does only what the father does, number one. He doesn't do things on his own. He has the power maybe to do that, but not the intent to do that. He wants to just do what the Father's will is. He does everything the Father does. Now why? If I go to Hebrews, let's just start with that verse. Hebrews chapter 1, and in the first four verses there, why would he do what the Father does and only what the Father does? Jesus never goes out on his own. Do you notice that? God who at various times, this is Hebrews 1, verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things. Why should he be honored? Well, he's heir of all things. Through whom also he made the worlds. Why should he be honored? Because he created all things. Same with Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. He not only created all things, he holds all things together. Who being, in, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Why should he be honored? Well, he's the express image of the Father. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Think of how powerful Christ is. And when he had by himself purged our sins, now should he be honored for that? Absolutely. 
He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Is that a place of honor for him? Yes, he's, he's in charge. Having become such a better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a better name. Even by his own name he should be honored. Now, Jesus is the express image of the Father. Why? Remember the start of the gospel? Remember the start of the gospel of John? John 1.1. 1, 1. All right, John 1, 1, let's read verses 1 through 5 there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who is Jesus? Okay, remember, you must believe that he is, he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He, he was 11, 6. Who is he? God. Now that is a, that is a, mountain that many people can't get over <clears throat> he is in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it verse 14 the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. So the members of the Godhead, yet he can only do, he will only what he says. He, will, he won't go out on his own. If we go to John chapter 5, there where our text is, I can of myself do nothing. I hear, as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. Even in judgment, who leads, who, who's leading? The Father. The Son just does what the Father says to do. Yeah, and that's in everything. That, what an amazing Lord that would do that. John 8. Let's go to John 8. Verses 25 to 29. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say to and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. John 9, go to John 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But notice this, I must work the works of him who sent me. All the things that Jesus is doing is because God said, do that. There's obedience in him. The, the Father shows Jesus what to do because he loves him. It tells us that in John 5. And the Father showed Jesus even, he's going to show even greater things so that the people will marvel at God. Why is Jesus going to do greater things? So God will be praised. So the Son does only what the Father does. That in itself should cause people to honor him. He's doing exact he's not out doing his own thing. He's doing exactly what the Father wants done. The second thing that would uh, if we were looking at several re reasons why Jesus 
esteem or great honor along with the Father is the Son will raise the dead. Think of that, just, just those words that roll off of my mouth. Is that amazing? God will raise the dead. How many of you know that you've already been raised from the dead? Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've already experienced that. You say, well, I, didn't, I had no kind of feeling or emotions when I came to Christ. I don't remember feeling anything. Well, I think you should realize that you're alive now and, and you were dead before. Usually living people are excited to be alive. Okay, so the son is going to raise the dead. Among the greater works, this is Jesus who would, is included in that. If you look at verses 20 and 21 again, for the father loves the son, and this is why he's doing these things. He shows himself and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Now, Jesus isn't doing it so you'll marvel at him. He's doing it so you'll marvel at the Father. He does all things for the Father. Now, look at 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, that's what he did for us, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Oh, wow. Now, look at that for a minute. Does that have anything to do with your will? Sorry. So sorry. It's according to his will. We have records of Jesus raising people from the dead. If you look at the daughter of Jairus. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 5 and look at verses 40 and 42. Okay, Mark 5 and starting in verse 40. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all out of, outside, so he come to heal this girl, he says, and, and, and Jesus had just said, do not be afraid, only believe. And he wouldn't allow anybody to go uh, with him except Peter, James, and John, the three. The people ridiculed him because she was dead. When he came, verse 40, they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the, the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha uh, kumi which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. They marveled. At who? Who was that for? So they would marvel. God did this for us. They may, they may not have understood that at the moment, but that's what happened. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said something should be given her to eat. Okay, so the son of the widow had name. We'll go to Luke chapter 7. Who remembers that account? That's Luke 7, uh, verses 11 through 15, around that area there. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. 
And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Look at the authority this our Lord has. Arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. They were, in, they were marveling. How could this even have happened? Then there was the brother of Mary and Martha, and John 11, verse 13. You know, sometimes we just read over these things like this, and we say, God, how can you help me? I mean, we, we are so... We need a fresh look at Jesus sometimes. John 11, verse 38 to 44, right in there. Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God and then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying notice they emphasize that he's what he's dead and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank you that you have heard me so you know he's been praying and I know that you always hear me because of the people who are standing by I said this and they they may believe that you sent me. Now, who, who is it that wants to heal Lazarus? God wants to hear it. That's why Jesus is there. I'm doing this because this is what the Father wants. And I, so he says, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You know, you've heard this before probably. He has to name him by name. If he would have just said, come forth, everybody would come. Right? Let's be specific who's coming out of the grave. So come forth. And he who had died, there he is, emphasizing that he has been dead, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Anybody see the miracle there? What's the miracle there? How in the world did he come forward? He is bound. Anybody seen a mummy before? You don't walk. How is he getting forward? Well, he's hopping. Well, no, I don't think. I think, I think it's even more than that. I think the power in the Lord Jesus and his words, he just said, come here. And he just came here. Right? That's, I, I, that's how I see it. Now, if that doesn't make you marvel, Right? How'd you even come out of the grave? He doesn't stink anymore. He's alive. There's a lot of things happening here that we miss because we just kind of read over. Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. There's the point. That's the reason. The whole reason for Lazarus wasn't because he was a good guy. It wasn't just that he loved Mary and Martha and, and him. He wasn't close to them. He waited on purpose for four days. Why? Why? So God would be glorified in that. So he, but he raises the dead. One day Jesus will raise all from the dead. Look at, look at our passage here in John chapter 5. And look at verses 28 and 29. 
Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now, here, I'm going to just say, that's, that has nothing to do with people who sleep. You know what I mean by that? There's that there that when you die, you stay in the dirt until Jesus comes back. No. What does Ecclesiastes say? The body returns to the, the, the dirt with which it came from, and the spirit returns to the one who gave it. Paul would say it this way, absent from the body is present with the Lord. My spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord. But there's some kind of connection in this passage, what he's talking about, where we'll receive a glorified body. I don't know how that's going to work. I, don't ask me. I'm not him. I'm not God. There's things we're still like 1 Corinthians 15 says, we're looking through a glass dimly. I don't know what I'll be like. I'll be like him. I don't know how he's going to put all this together. Some of us will be changed in the twinkling of an eye at his coming. The, a new body, you know, the dead will get that before. It's, there's just still some mystery I like because it means I don't know everything. And only he does. I'm okay with that. Now, that Jesus can raise people from death, which he did when you and I were born again, that is, when we were born from above, is the reason enough to honor Jesus along with the Father. Nobody can raise... Can you raise people from the dead? Now, you got some TV preachers that probably say they can. I think they're as phony as all get up, but that's just me. Listen, if you got the gift of healing like that, there shouldn't be a person in the hospitals around here. Just saying. All right. Third, the son, why should he be honored with the father? Because he does what the father does, because he can raise the dead. But there's another thing here, because he judges the world. The father has committed judgment to the son. If you look at verse 22, for the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. He's the judge you're going to have to stand before. That's a terrifying thing. When you think of when's the last time we see Jesus in his glory is Revelation 1. Now, and John was terrified as unto a dead man looked at the glorified Christ. You know, you're not going to stand before the, the one that just has a couple drips of blood. You see this picture on the wall, got the crown of thorns, seems like a non-threatening kind of, you know, picture. You're going to stand before the one that has hair like wool, eyes like fire. When he speaks, it's like raging water. When his feet are like melted bronze, which is a symbol of judgment. Okay, He's got a sash across him. He's, he's dressed as the high priest. This is a terrifying God to stand in front of. And Hebrews chapter 10 says it, it will be, what does it say there? It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And so he's going to be that judge. He has authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Look at verse 27. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Now, what is it that proved, what gave him that title? God, yeah. But what proved that he's the son of man or the son of God? 
What proved that? He came out of the grave, Romans. In the book of Romans, he came out of the grave, and in doing that, he also justified us. But it showed that he is the Son of God. And he deserves the title. Now, Jesus will exercise righteous judgment because why? Because he seeks the Father's will. Look at verse 30 again. I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So all the judgment that Jesus is going to do in that day is exactly what the Father wants done. And there, oh, by the way, that's without partiality. You better make sure you know Christ before that judgment day comes. Because one day Jesus will judge the world. You know, Matter of fact, let's go back to Psalm 7 or Psalm 9. A couple of Psalms here. That, Psalm 9. Everybody knows where Psalm 9 is? It's right next to 8. Psalm 9, verse 7 and 8. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for what? Listen to this. He's prepared his throne for judgment. It's ready to go. Okay? He shall judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. There will be nothing wrong in his judgment. He will not, it's not like uh, the judge you see in New York. These judges that can do things in an unrighteous manner. When he judges, it's right. And if he says to a person, you deserve hell, it's right. And if he says, you deserve heaven, that's grace. It's not that you did anything right. Go to Psalm 96, verses 11 through 13. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful, all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. Why? For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. And look at that. All his creation is in excited joy for that to happen. The only people or only ones that won't be happy will be those who are lost forever. In hell. Psalm 98, verse 9, we're right there. We can read that one. The world and the peoples with equity or with uprightness. And so you, we could go into the New Testament and see other verses in Acts, uh, but we will all stand someday before the seat of Christ. That doesn't mean you won't stand there either. What does it say in Romans 14? Romans 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. <clears throat> Let me back up just a little bit here. Verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So you kind of get the idea of what he's building up towards here. He says, for to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and, or the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, 
As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another uh, anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. I'll start in 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. That's the setup there. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well-known to God, and I also trust are well-known in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in the appearance and not in heart. And it goes on. Um, Let me just say this. Both of those accounts that we're talking about, the same account, has nothing to do with your sin. That's been forgiven. Okay? We're not standing. That's not the great white throat judgment where that comes into play. Our uh, believer's sin is forgiven, past, present, and future, but I still have to give an account for what I've done in the name of Christ. And of course, if we look at uh, 2 Corinthians 3, I know people have conversation about this. It uh, seems to me that a lot of that has to do with, with how you would be rewarded. Now, I've heard that discussion. It's just, aren't we just glad we're going to be in heaven? Yeah, true. But... There are things that he's going to do that uh, in rewards that we don't necessarily uh, would see or understand. There's another verse. I think it's back in Matthew. I don't have it listed in your bulletin. I think it's Matthew 16. I'm just out of of the memory of my fast depleting memory. Uh, 16, I think. For the Son of Man, verse 27 The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So you have that to look at. Knowing we will one day stand before uh, the Lord, should that not cause you to honor him? That's the point of this, okay? He should be honored, just like the, the Father is honored. Now, the Son also offers everlasting life, okay? To those who hear his words and believe in the Father who sent him. Look, go back to our text in 524. 524. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has what? Eternal life or everlasting life, your Bible might say there. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, you don't come in, what, what are people being judged? What are they judged for? Belief, which is also their sins have not been forgiven or wiped away. So that's the result of that judgment. But we're not, the believer is not going to come into judgment, but has passed from what? I'm alive. Okay, you go back to the Ephesians chapter 2 account. We're alive. You could say in Romans 8.1. Go to Romans 8.1. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is right here. Because if you don't get this, I mean, if you don't see this, I don't know what to tell you. 
There is therefore now no, you should underline that, circle that word no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if all scripture is inspired by God, who is it telling me that? It's God, right? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How, are, how do you get to be in Christ Jesus? Born again, okay? I'm in Christ. So there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So what proves that I've got to this place where I have no condemnation? How do you know I'm one of those? Because I walk according to the Spirit. The Spirit of God leads my life, not my flesh. The Spirit of God is, is teaching me. He's comforting me. He's, I'm walking in the Spirit. You'll see the fruits of the Spirit of Galatians chapter 5. You'll stop seeing the fruit of the flesh. You'll see more of the fruit of the Spirit in anybody that's walking with the Spirit or walking in the Spirit. Okay, But that's proof that I'm out from under condemnation because I have the Holy Spirit and I'm walking accordingly. Now, when did I get the Holy Spirit? The minute I believe the gospel, okay? There's not two baptisms. There's none of that garbage that you see in that some of these churches out here. I received the Holy Spirit the minute I believed the gospel message, and I was sealed by the Holy Spirit of what? Promise. I love that he puts that on there, okay? Because the Holy Spirit of promise. That means I'm sealed to receive every promise that the Lord has given me. Every promise. And so they shall pass from death to life. The time for this offer, by the way, if you look at verse 25 in our text, says what? Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. That's a present tense time. Okay? When's the time to get saved? Now. Okay? The time of this offer is now. Um, the hour is coming and now is. He has power to give life. You'll see in verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he's the son of man. Do, mar do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all... Now he, goes to, now he goes to a later time. There's a time when Jesus will speak and will open up and people will come out of him. Because the Father has life in himself and the Father has granted the Son to have life in himself... When those who are dead spiritually hear the voice of the Son of God via the gospel, those who hear obey, those who obey will be saved. We can go back and look at, like I said, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Another reason he should be honored like the Father is because he gives life. That Jesus offers the gift of everlasting life is certainly a reason for him to be honored. Now, there's conditions to that salvation. If you look at 24 again here, chapter 5, verse 24, okay, they must, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word, so the word has to be heard, 
Eh? Men must hear the word of God before it can be believed. The gospel must be heard. Uh, God's plan for hearing includes the preaching of it. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, we would read, For since in the wisdom of God, the word through wisdom did not, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. By the way, who's it foolishness to? The word of God, who, who, who's it foolishness to? The world, the unsaved, everybody, right? Except those who belong to Christ. It's not foolishness to us. It's the power of God to salvation for us. Okay, so it's the gospel anyway. Okay. Who can summarize? Okay, it's the, no, we go, we'd have to go to 1 Corinthians 15, right? The first four verses. And pull out of those verses, um, he was crucified for our sins. Or he died for our sins. According to the scripture, it says, he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That's good news. He died for my sin. He put my sin away. It's, he took care of it. And he rose again out of the grave. And that justified me. And then what happened? Where'd that old man go? He's dead, but who am I now? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. He didn't remodel him. He made me a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I'll tell you, again, I've said this so many times over the, the years of this pulpit. If, if you don't recognize that you're a new person in Christ, if you don't understand, then maybe you didn't ever meet him. There is a change when you when a sinful person runs into a holy God. Somebody's going to die, and it's not him. So that man dies, but he, he raises me a new creation in Christ. All things, old things have passed away. All things have become new. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't act the way I used to act. Okay, now I'm warfare going on in me you know, that, that I have to deal with as a believer fighting that flesh nature that I still have. I don't have to succumb to sin anymore. I have the power to say no. Right? Okay, so you must hear the word of God. Then you must be taken a step further when it's put into action. By believing the message delivered, belief is an absolute conviction of the entire being of Christ. And go back to what I said last week. Putting my full faith in what Christ has done when he said it's finished. That's, I'm believing. I'm putting all my faith in him. That's a conviction that makes the lost sinner realize that every word concerning Jesus is true. I come to that place where I, from where I doubted scripture. I didn't believe Jesus. Now I believe Jesus. And all of this is true. That's a, that's a, that's a, a big change, okay? Just to believe that now his word is true. And, and not only true, but that, that I still stand in, in, in need of help. I trust that Jesus is the only way. It is, well, I go Romans 10, 9 and 10. That verse, Romans 10, 9 and 10. 
How many believe this? Let me back up to eight. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, how many do that? What am I confessing? He's what? He's Lord. Okay? I'm telling you, he's Lord. Oh, wait a minute. I better just, my life better match that. Because if he's really Lord, then I'm really obeying him. Okay? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do the things I tell you to do? That's what Jesus would say. But he's Lord. Oh, and by the way, you don't make him Lord. He is Lord. Okay? You don't make him anything. Good luck if you're trying to. But that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That's crucial. Raised him from the dead. You will be what? Wow. Who made that promise? God that made that promise. Through the lips of Paul. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Now, what's that mean? My heart believes unto righteousness. Whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. I don't, if, you're, if you're believing in your heart that you're good enough to go to heaven, that's not what it says. I believe in my heart unto, it could say, the righteousness of Christ. I believe that he has provided that, which is 2 Corinthians 5.21. And with the mouth, confession is made unto what? Now I'm boldly telling you what? I'm saved. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm going to tell you I'm saved, and I wholeheartedly believe it because of the promises of God. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Do you believe that? For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is over all, is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher that's you say well that's pastor dan's job no that's all of our job okay each one of you here in this place is a preacher of the gospel and god puts you certain places every day so that you can proclaim the gospel to people the only problem with us is we don't see a harvest and it's right in front of us okay and here's the thing, and this isn't in the, in the message. We have to start not thinking about ourselves anymore. Okay? This whole thing is not about you and me. It's about God being glorified. All right? And the gospel being preached is to glorify him. And the gospel to be preached is so I can hear it with my own ears. Don't think you have it all together where you don't need to hear it anymore. It needs to come out of your mouth. Listen, it's a, it's a strange thing. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? That's the way God did it. It's a strange way to do it, the foolishness of preaching, but that's how he did it. He's requiring you to take the message to the people that don't know him. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 again, now you have this ministry of what? Reconciliation. And you're as if begging people to come to Christ. Okay? That's your job. That's your job. And so how are people going to believe that? You're going to have to go tell them. Now, 
there, there's something about, if we go to 524, and let me try to wrap this up because I went uh, a little bit longer. Not that I'm apologizing because I'm not. Okay? But I'm going to read on 24 again there. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now that life there is eternal. Okay? It's an eternal life, everlasting life. Now, another reason to praise or give honor to the Son is that eternal life is a present possession. Notice the word has here. But has passed from death to life. Don't miss those words. It's a present tense possession. I have eternal life because I have Jesus. I don't have eternal life like I'm going somewhere. I have eternal life because I know the one who is eternal life. John 17, 3. I'm not waiting to be saved. I am saved. I'm not waiting to get life. I have life. But, you know, it's an ongoing thing, but it, it, it's as good as done. Now, the other thing, it's a perfect possession. It's a done deal. It will never be changed or done away with. That salvation, that eternal life. I can't lose that. Now, boy, oh boy, oh boy, if believers would get a hold of that truth. But it is a powerful possession. It produces a total change in my life. From dead works to a living works, it makes dead people alive. In that, he should be honored. We can honor the Son by emulating his example in doing the Father's will. Obeying what's said in the word. Let's stop there. I'll tie the rest of this into next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for all the things that you have for him to do and did do and is doing. It's all for your glory. It's all for your praise. Even what he's done in our life should cause us to be on our knees and praising you because he has brought us to you. It's because of him we can boldly become, come before your throne, Father. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.